0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. His banner over me is love. Is his banner of love over you today, or are you discouraged, struggling, wondering what's going to happen in your life? I come today to say it is wonderful to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower to be transformed and changed into his likeness. There is no hopelessness in Jesus. There is no despair and discouragement in Jesus. So today, if you're in despair or discouragement, it's either because you're walking in known sin and rebellion against God, or it's because you don't believe his word. Those are the only two possible reasons for being filled with discouragement today or or somehow bowed down, wondering if you can survive either sin or unbelief. Which is it for you today? I pray it's neither. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day every day when I wake up because I'm alive and the presence of Jesus is with me and the joy of the Lord comes up in my heart. It touches me in the most intimate parts of my being. He is awesome. He is wonderful. Jesus is everything. So today, you in reality have no reason to be discouraged because you can repent of your sin and you can choose to believe the word of Jesus. Now, in the scriptures I want to read for you in 1st John 1st John the 3rd chapter. At some future date, we're going to study carefully, verse by verse, 1 John. But today I just want to read for you a couple of verses. I'll begin with chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to live, no one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. He who does what is right is righteous or innocent, just as he is righteous or innocent. He who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's sperma, God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. Literally, the Apostle John is saying, look, when you come to Jesus Christ, this sperma, this, this seed is placed inside of you and and your whole life begins to transform and change and you become like Jesus Christ. You no longer walk in sin. The reason Jesus came was to destroy the devil's work in your life he came to destroy the unbelief he came to destroy the known sin he came to fill you with his righteousness and his holiness jesus came to make you into a new creature, a new person, a person full of life and joy and peace. Now, some of you keep reviewing those past events of your life where you know you sinned against God. You sinned against your husband or your wife or your family. You cheated at work. You, you lied. You stole. You Whatever it is that you did, and all of us have a whole list of things we've done in the past, some of you like to review those things constantly, and each time they pierce your heart and cause you to be depressed and discouraged, Jesus does not ask us to go back and visit the pig pen. He called us out of the pig pen. He forgave us for our sins. He wiped away our iniquities. We no longer walk like that. But if you keep piercing yourself with those things of the past, it says you do not believe that the blood of Jesus has the power to wash you and make you whole. Now, one of the great problems that I constantly have to deal with Christians on is that they do not choose to believe that they have been set free of their sin. They do not believe that Jesus is in charge of their life. They do not believe that Jesus has the power to change everything for them. And so they review their old position, they review the position they're in now, and they're very depressed and very discouraged. The banner over you is love if you come to Jesus Christ but you're going to have to believe that the banner over you is love, and you're going to have to begin to claim that banner over you, and you're going to have to say, in the name of Jesus, I am forgiven. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to go back and review those events that caused me such shame and caused me to feel so badly emotionally. Now, the Lord the Lord speaks today to his servants, to you if you are a servant of the Most High. Some of you would say to me, the Lord, the Lord doesn't speak to me. Well, there's only one reason if you're not hearing the voice of God in your life, in the scriptures, in your inner being as the Holy Spirit addresses you, in dreams, in rebukes. If that's not happening in your life, it's because either you do not believe that Jesus is who he says he is, or you are walking in known rebellion and you have seared your heart by what you are doing so that Jesus' voice is drowned out by your cell phone or by your internet or by your sports. You have no inner life because it's closed. There is a hopeless burden in your heart because your life is set on a track of rebellion against God. Now, you cannot continue in that course of rebellion and expect to see the banner stretched over you that is love. You only perceive that banner when every day is fresh and new and filled with hope and expectation about who Jesus Christ is and what he is now doing for you in the heavenly realms. We've talked about this before, but let me very briefly say it again, please. The atoning blood of Jesus shed on Calvary was unconditional. Yes, I use that word. The blood of Jesus shed on Calvary was unconditional in offering salvation to every man and every woman who has ever lived on the face of the earth. But now we must separate our response to that and our our accessing that gift of atonement. If you have a million dollars in the bank, but you never go to the bank and you never draw on that account, that money in the bank will be of no value to you. You must go and draw it out. The atonement unconditionally provided salvation for every man and every woman who would come and meet the conditions necessary to enter into that salvation. Now I want to share with you a finishing of the story that I began last week with Reese Howells. The book is entitled Reese Hal Intercessor by Norman Grubb. I've shared this a number of different times, but I have to keep coming back to it because there are some very profound, deep understandings of the Holy Spirit that we need to access and need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring the reality into our own hearts. The year was 1906. Reese Howells had returned from America as a converted man, totally sold out to Jesus. And he was asked by the Holy Spirit a question Have you been quickened by Christ? Now, this is in the midst of the Welsh revival. The power of God is flowing in a mighty way. Have you been quickened by Christ? I ask you that question today. Have you been quickened by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit? As Reese struggled with this question, the Holy Spirit made a statement to him When you return, you will be a new man. Please, I hope you have understood as you have listened to this broadcast that the work of being made righteous is a work of the Holy Spirit. Our task is to allow him entrance to grant him permission to do that work in us. The work of circumcising our hearts is the work of Jesus. It is the work the Holy Spirit does for him in us as believers. I hope you understand, as I speak to you about leaving all sin and being made righteous, I have never suggested even once that this is by work, this is by your own effort, for it is not, it is entirely a work of Jesus Christ. But he requires entire sanctification. He requires now a leaving of all sin and a being made righteous and if you say, but I'm struggling and I keep sinning, you are saying you are not submitting yourself unto Jesus because you love your sin. And you must turn from that to Jesus and allow him to come and deal with your heart. And what I want to share with you today very quickly is the way the Holy Spirit came and dealt with Reese Howells as a young man in his 20s. The Holy Spirit wants to come and deal with you in the same manner. (laughs) I have to tell you, without being completely vulnerable, one night, I had a dream, and in my dream, there was a very familiar, a very uh, loving rattlesnake in bed with me. It was obviously my pet. I awakened as one shocked at 2 a.m., after having had this dream from the Holy Spirit. And I had to immediately begin to cry out to the Holy Spirit and say, what familiar spirit have I allowed to come into my life? And the Holy Spirit quickly identified that familiar spirit that I was allowing and loving in my life. And I had to immediately get on my face before God and repent Confess and command that spirit to depart from me. You see, the Holy Spirit is not shy of showing us exactly how we stand with him. And my question to you, are you willing to lay aside your, your professional sports, your entertainment, your movies Are you willing to lay aside your cell phone? Are you willing to lay aside everything and seek after Jesus Christ with all of your heart and ask Him to reveal to you every familiar spirit that you are in bed with? For some of you, you're in bed with gluttony, you're in bed with food. Some of you are in bed with sports. Some of you are in bed with movies. Some of you are in bed with pornography. Some of you are in bed with lying and cheating and ambition and love of money. If you are in bed with any of these things, you are in bed with a rattlesnake and he is your pet and the day will come when he will bite you and you will die. The banner over you is not a banner over the rattlesnake that dwells in your bed. It must be cast out. And so literally what I'm going to share with you is Reese Howells as he casts by the power of the blood of Jesus as the Holy Spirit comes and deals with each issue and the rattlesnakes are cast out of his life. Yes, do you hear me? Discouragement is a rattlesnake. Depression is a rattlesnake. Rebellion is a rattlesnake. I get a call from a a Christian wife, and she says to me, Pastor, how can I help my husband keep his word? He simply won't keep his word. He never will do what he said he would do when he said he would do it, and it is destroying our marriage. That man has a rattlesnake in bed with him, a rattlesnake of pride, a rattlesnake of self. And one day it will bite him when he reaches out to pet it and he will die. The meeting with the Holy Spirit was just as real to Reese Howells as his meeting with the Savior those years before. I saw him as a person apart from flesh and blood. And he said to me, as the Savior had a body, so I dwell in the cleansed temple of the believer. See, the Holy Spirit will not dwell in you if you are in sin. It is his work to cause you to come in alignment and to agree with his removing that sin from your heart. The Holy Spirit said to Reese Howells, I am a person, I am God. I am come to ask you to give your body to me that I may work through it. I need a body for my temple. In other words, he's saying, the Holy Spirit needs a body to accomplish his work on the earth. He needs hands and feet. He needs a heart. He needs you. But it means you have to give your body up to the Holy Spirit and leave all sin and darkness. It means you are no longer an independent agent, but rather you have now recognized that you are come fully into Jesus Christ. Now, as the Holy Spirit spoke to him, he said, If I come in, I come as God, and you must go out. Colossians 3, verses 2 and 3. I shall not mix myself with yourself. He made it very plain that he would never share my life. I saw the honor he gave me an offering to indwell me, but there were many things very dear to me, and I knew he would not keep one of them. The change he would make was very clear. It meant every bit of my fallen nature was to go to the cross, and he would bring in his own life and his own nature. It was an unconditional surrender. Have you yet made that unconditional surrender to Jesus to the holy spirit or are you simply spray-painted on the outside with christianity and religion but you are still in the inner part the inner part of your heart are you still in charge of your life or have you submitted that to Jesus christ do you still demand your own way You still demand what you want. I'll give you a very practical example of what I'm speaking about. I drive a car that the Lord gave me free of charge. It's a 1996 Toyota Corolla. I'm sorry, Toyota, uh, not Corolla. Camry, thank you, Mr. Producer. I'm driving this old car. It has now 85,000 miles on it. And for many years, it sat not being driven. And so the gaskets dry rotted on it. So now I have a serious oil leak. And for the last month, I've been driving this car and every other gas tank fill up. I have to add two quarts of oil. In my garage, I had to lay down cardboard for it to soak up the oil. Well, a number of people have said to me and suggested, why don't you just go buy a car, Pastor? Well, there's a problem. And that is that I have a covenant with Jesus that I will only accept from his hand what he will give to me. Now, my mechanic has told me, the car is not worth repairing, Ray. You will put more into repairing it than it is worth. So go buy another car. Well, I don't have the freedom to simply go buy another car. Why? because I have unconditionally given my life over to Jesus Christ. And so as I prayed about it, the Holy Spirit reminded me that I had made a vow that I would only receive from Jesus what he would give to me. He has given to me this Toyota. So now am I going to, out of my own personal need, go to the car dealer and buy a car. How can I, when I no longer have any financial resources? I have surrendered them to Jesus. They don't belong to me. They belong to Jesus. So if I take financial resources that I have in my possession and I use those to go and buy a car, I am literally stealing from Jesus, his resources, when he didn't command me to go do that. Now, it does not make sense to spend thirteen to $1,500 to repair this car. My mechanic has said, Pastor, it's just going to happen again, and you're going to— put more and more money into this old car. I just had to put a new radiator in it. You're going to put more and more money. Human wisdom is don't do that. But I can't walk by human wisdom. I walk by the spirit of the living God. I belong to him. The resources belong to him. I don't have the option of simply making a choice as an American to use my plastic or to use resources that I have available to me or or allow other people to step in and make car payments for me. I can't do that. Because Jesus didn't say to do that. Now, I now have to walk this way in unconditional surrender in every part of my life. And I do so knowing the banner over me is love. And so am I upset about driving this car and taking it to the mechanic and having a repair that in the flesh seems foolish? No, I rejoice in it. I rejoice in it. I rejoice in driving this old car because it's the car God gave to me. Now, in my old days, I always drove a Mercedes or an Acura. I drove beautiful cars. But since I made that unconditional surrender to God, and it's now been almost 30 years ago, I've driven junkers. And I know what Jesus was doing. He was humbling my heart. And some of us take a fair amount of time to humble. He also was using his money as he chose to use it without my objecting to what he wanted to do. Reese says I had received a sentence of death. I went out into a field where I cried. He said, I had lived in my body for 26 years. Could I easily give it up? Who could give up his life to another in an hour? Why does a man struggle when death comes, if it is easy to die? I knew that the only place fit for the old nature was on the cross. Paul makes that very plain in Romans, the sixth chapter. But once it goes to the cross, it is done. It is finished. I intended to do it. I wept. 26 year old bodybuilder, coal miner, crying. Why? Because he saw what he was losing. Since he died for me, I was to die for him. I knew that the new life would not be mine. I began to see in myself my own corrupt nature. It wasn't sins that I saw, but nature touched by the fall. I was corrupt to the core. I knew I had to be cleansed. I saw that there was as much difference between the Holy Spirit and myself as between light and darkness. This process went on for a week. He was not going to make any superficial surrender. The Holy Spirit put his finger on each part of my self-life, and I had to decide in cold blood. He could never take a thing away until I gave my consent. The moment I gave the consent, a purging took place. Isaiah 6, verses 5 through 7. And I could never touch that thing again. Now the problem we have faced, and many of you have faced this, is that after the Holy Spirit comes and removes something from your life, you forget a week later and go right back to your old sin because you are unwilling to finish the death of self and the coming in of the Holy Spirit. He said, day by day the dealing went on. He was coming in as God and I had lived as a man and what is permissible to an ordinary man, he told me, would not be permissible to me anymore. He took out of Reese all taste for money. Any ambition for the ownership of money he removed from Reese's heart. The Holy Spirit was getting at the very root of what motivated Reese Hal's life. And I would just stop for a moment and ask you, what is the root that motivates your life what is the very root of your heart for some of you it's it's lifestyle for some of you it's being right winning the arguments succeeding For some of you, it's pleasing other people. You want to be loved by everybody. You don't want to be different than other people. You want to be like everybody. You want to be vanilla with a little dash of cherry. What is the root of your heart? If you do not know the answer to that question, you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to begin in serious the work of removing the old self. You may have been a Christian for 50 years, but if you have no answer for this question, what is the root of your heart? You have not yet entered into the presence of Jesus Christ. The root from this day forward of Reese Howe's life Was going to be Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ must be the root of our heart. The Holy Spirit totally changed his attitude toward money. Then he was told that he would never have the right to choose his own wife. That the Holy Spirit would choose whom he would marry. The Holy Spirit dealt with ambition, a success. And on the fifth day, reputation was touched. By Friday night, each point had been faced. He knew exactly what he was being offered the choice between temporal and eternal gain. The Spirit of God summed up the issue for him. On no account will I allow you to cherish a single thought of self, and the life I will live in you will be 100% for others. You will never be able to save yourself any more than the Savior could when he was on earth. Now are you willing... You see, I can no more save myself with an automobile because it is totally in Jesus' hands. I cannot save myself by going looking for a wife who will be a partner for me. It is totally in the hands of Jesus Christ. I don't choose. The Holy Spirit chooses. I don't purchase. The Holy Spirit gives orders when something is to be purchased. He has control of my life. And when I do something or bring in something that counters him, I am quickly rebuked and quickly dealt with by the Holy Spirit. And then I must either turn away from that or the Holy Spirit's presence will leave me. Now, please understand, the modern American church has been taught that you are saved in the midst of your sin, that you never have to go to the cross, that you never have to die, and so many of you have been fooled by the devil into believing that you are saved and you are still the same old, same old pagan at heart. You've never been transformed and changed into the likeness of Jesus. You are still all about you and your agenda and your pride. You are still all about what you want, the lifestyle you want, the family you want, the job you want. You are all about you because you have never died. And so you get discouraged. Everything is hopeless because you're not getting what you want. And I'm just quickly reminded, James, the fourth chapter, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on yourself. In other words, God is not going to answer a prayer that is centered in you and what you want. It is not about you or me. It is about his kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Seek the royal authority, the kingdom, not a geographic kingdom, but the authority of God to be exercised over your life. Please, what I'm saying to you today is just simple basic Christian faith. It is the Christian life, and yet it sounds so strange to many of you. It sounds like I'm speaking Greek. It is not the Christian faith that you have been taught because you have been lied to. The grace changers have come and stripped away the grace of Jesus Christ And have replaced it with a false grace that they say covers your sin and that you're fine and on your way to heaven and you can never lose your place because Jesus loves you unconditionally. They lied to you. The gospel that I'm speaking about today is the simple gospel of Jesus Christ a man being crucified a man giving up his life, a man being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, and now his life is focused around the kingdom of heaven. The writer of James says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Most Christians today in America hate Jesus Christ, the real Jesus. Oh, they have their little sentimental rabbit foot Jesus, their cotton candy Jesus, their sentimental Jesus. That's not the real Jesus. It's not the real Jesus of Scripture, of revelation. He's saying, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? If you love the professional sports, you hate God. If you love the lifestyle, you hate God. If you are friends with the world, you hate God. We have to come to terms with this. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. The Christian church in America today is basically an enemy to God. It has soft-pedaled a lawless religion, a religion of compromise with darkness, filled with every filthy thing, filled with entertainment, compromised by sin. And we call that Christian. The Bible says they're enemies of God who do this. Do you think that the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies immensely? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, wail, change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. In other words, he will put a banner of love over your head. Now let's come back. Reese said, I ask him for more time. But he said, you will not have a minute after six o'clock. When I heard that, it was exactly as if a wild beast was roused in me. You gave me a free will, I answered, and now you force me to give it up. He said, I do not force you. But for three years, have you not been saying that you are not your own and that you wanted to give your life back to the Savior as completely as he gave his for you? I climbed down in a second, he said, the way I had said it was an insult to the Trinity. I am sorry, I told him. I didn't mean what I said. The Holy Spirit said to him, You are not forced to give up your will, but at six o'clock I will take your decision. After that, you will never get another chance. It is my last offer. It is your last chance. And I saw that throne in Revelation 3.21, and all of my future for eternity going, and I said, please forgive me, I want to do it. Once more the question came, are you willing? It was ten minutes to six. I wanted to do it, but I could not. Your mind is very sharp when you're tested, and in a flash it came to me, how can self be willing to give up self? Five minutes to six came. I was afraid of those last five minutes. I could count the ticks of the clock. The Holy Spirit spoke again. If you can't be willing, would you like me to help you? Are you willing to be made willing? Take care, the enemy whispered. When a stronger person than yourself is on the other side, to be willing to be made willing is just the same as to be willing. As I was thinking upon this point, I looked at the clock. It was one minute to six. I bowed my head and I said, Lord, I am willing. Within an hour, the third person of the Godhead had come in. He gave Rhys that word in Hebrews 10.19, having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. Immediately said Rhys, I was transported into another realm within the sacred veil where the Father, the Savior, and the Holy Spirit live. There I heard God speaking to me, and I have lived there ever since. When the Holy Ghost enters... He comes in to abide forever. To the blood of Jesus be the glory. How I adored the grace of God. It is God who goes so far as to give us the gift of repentance. It was God who helped me to give up my will. There were some things he had asked for during the week that I was able to give him because I was the master of them. But when he asked me to give up myself and my will, I found I could not until he pulled me through. An eyewitness tells us that no words can describe the meeting in the house that night. The glory of God came down, restarted singing the chorus. There's power in the blood, and they couldn't stop singing it for two hours. Then from 9 p.m. to 2.30 a.m., it was nothing but the Holy Spirit speaking things I'd never dreamed of and exalting the Savior. When he awoke the next morning, he said, I realized that the Holy Spirit had come in to abide forever. The feeling I'd had was that he, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. It's impossible to describe the flood of joy that filled his heart. Has the Holy Spirit come and taken possession of your life yet? Or are you bouncing along on your Christian journey, not making any progress, full of self, sleeping with rattlesnakes? Have you come to a place where the banner of God's love flies over your heart and over your life? And you know beyond any question that you belong to Jesus. And are you willing to obey His commands even though they seem strangely foolish in this world. You see, I no longer care for human wisdom. I care for the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, I have reached out on occasion in love to people and had them utterly reject me And cut me off because they do not want to talk about these issues. And they cannot comprehend another person who would care enough to give to them unconditionally. And so they flee in their darkness. (laughs) That grieves my heart because it grieves the heart of the Holy Spirit. Where are you on this pilgrim journey toward the celestial city? Have you been sidetracked? And now you're working out your own plan and your own agenda? Or have you fully and completely and forever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Talk is cheap. It's action that matters. I'll have a man text me a a very pious-sounding text, knowing all the time that the inner heart is filled with self. I don't pay much attention to what people say sometimes. I'm much more concerned with do they keep their word Are they humble before God? Are they willing to lay their life down and follow Jesus Christ even when it's inconvenient? I'm tired of religious agendas. I'm tired of self masquerading as Christian faith. Tired of religiosity. I listen to many people pray, and as they pray, it's obvious that they are refusing to go deep. It's all about others, it's all about the concepts that they think are important. It's almost as though they're teaching God, they're preaching to God. No, it's time to come and get on our face before God. It's time to get on our face before Jesus and confess our sin, our arrogance, our hardness, our love of the flesh, of the world, of the devil, of our hatred for God. It's time to do business with God. You can be mad as long as you want to be mad. You can be discouraged. You can be arrogant. You can be hard-edged. You can, you can be who you are as long as you want to be that person. But you'll never know the banner of love over your head until you are willing to give up your life and you're willing to follow Jesus. (laughs) What are you going to do with Jesus today? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to come to you as he came to Reese? Are you willing to let him deal with each part of your life? That lust for a motorcycle, that lust for the new car, that lust for the For the job, that lust for recognition, that, that crying out to God that you could have for yourself what you want. Are you willing to turn aside from all of that and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and just take charge of you? Well, we're out of time today. I want to just share quickly with you, we've coming into the last of October, we are still $1,285 short of having the radio bill covered. If the Holy Spirit has been moving in your heart and this broadcast is important for your walk, I invite you to write to me today, sending your check or your tithe, your offering to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Almighty God, I cry out for each person who has listened to this broadcast today. I ask that your banner over them would be changed to love, that you would confront them with their sin and call them out of all darkness, even as you are doing and have done in my life. Lord, thank you. I bless your holy name. I walk with joy and peace in your spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for being a part of this broadcast today. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.